This is the Tomorrow Christian Today with a special broadcast. Exodus 40, the last chapter of the second book of the Torah. Let's read this, and by God's grace, we will get through this chapter and come away with a great satisfaction of having read two books of the Old Testament, two major books. And the fact is that God knows that we've done this and we'll be the better for it. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you, Lord, for living in this day and age. There's a lot of dark stuff going on, but we have so much resources. We have access to the scriptures. We have so much learning and wisdom and understanding, and it's not being taken advantage of. It's just sitting there while all these silly, other temporal, leftover, Apple-like philosophies and movies, all this quantum light and camera and action and smoke and mirrors and false philosophies fly so high but your word all we need to do is take it and read it because your word is living and dynamic and you will it will not return to you void but it will accomplish all that it has lord according to your will and according to your purpose and if it comes through us if the boomerang comes through us before it returns to you, surely, Lord, we will be the better for it. Give us the wisdom and understanding. Give us something out of this chapter, something, anything that we did not know before. And we ask by your grace, by your kindness, and by the hope that you have given us in your Son, Christ our Lord. I ask it in his name. Amen. The tabernacle completed. The Lord said to Moses, set up the tabernacle on the first day of the new year. Place the Ark of the Covenant inside and install the inner curtain to enclose the Ark within the most holy place. Then bring in the table and arrange the utensils on it and bring in the lampstand and set up the lamps. So the most holy place, isn't that like the heart? So the most holy place is a temple. It's a, it's a place of beauty. It's a place where God's holiness and God's person resides. In this, above this mercy seat that is above the law. And in, in the New Testament, God lives in us. We're the temple. We're the sanctuary. So that most holy place, that's our hearts. That's, that's something God is completing. God is doing the work. God has finished his work in us. We've been given grace by what he has done. We've been given structure and discipline. Not sentimentalist, sappy, I can do whatever I want kind of love. In the name of Jesus, my will be done. No. In the name of Jesus, God's will be done. Jesus was the perfect man, and he said, in all situations, all times, with all temptations, Father, not my will, but your will be done. He never sinned. He never sinned. That's the perfect life. As David Pawson said, we don't just live life in the Christian church on Sunday. Christian life is every day, every hour, every moment. Sleeping or waking, we live in the presence of our Father. Church is a small portion of it. Place the gold incense altar in front of the Ark of the Covenant, then hang the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the tabernacle entrance. Set the wash basin, set the wash basin, between the tabernacle and the altar and fill it with water. Then set up the courtyard around the tent, outside of the tent, 
and hang the curtain for the courtyard entrance. Isn't this amazing? It's like, you know, and I saw a picture of the of the most holy place. And then you had like the holy place and you had the courtyard. And, you know, it kind of looked like a cross. I'm pretty sure I haven't I haven't seen that picture for a while, but it looked like the cross. Because it was like the holy the most holy place was kind of at the top. It was kind of the head, but yet it's the heart too. You know, your heart is your head and your head is your heart. Like that's how your mind thinks. That's the operating system of your mind. Yes, God is information. God is wisdom. God knows everything. He knows every fact. You know how many parameters your body's running right now? How many atoms you have? All the processes in your body? What your metabolism is doing? How many mitochondria you have? Man, God knows every single detail about every single person that is alive right now. And even the people who are dead. Amazing. God knows it all. It's it's mind-boggling. It's 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 amazing. And that God is holy, and He's going to make us holy. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils to consecrate them. Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. God is consecrating us. He's sanctifying us. He's making us holy. God is the sanctifier. God is the one who cleanses us. We can't cleanse ourselves. We can do nothing. We're dirty. We have sins. All we can do is, is give them to God and acknowledge them. And God will do the rest. But when he does the rest, then our hearts will be changed. And then we'll, I don't know, we'll have a different, we'll have different fruits. We'll have different actions. We'll think differently and our actions follow our thoughts. Present Aaron and his sons at the entrance of the tabernacle and wash them with water. Dress Aaron with the sacred garments and anoint him, consecrating him to serve me as, as a priest. Present his sons and dress them in their tunics. Anoint them as you did their fathers, so they may also serve me as priests. With their anointing, Aaron's descendants are set apart for the priesthood forever from generation to generation. Aren't we the priesthood now? Aren't we the priesthood of Christ, who is of the order of Melchizedek? Aren't we God's priests forever? We haven't yet got to the new covenant we haven't begun our new existence but we're still in the matrix but we're still acting as priests now we, we we're a part of a, a royal priesthood a holy nation as it says in second peter moses proceeded to do everything just as the lord had commanded him so the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month of the second year Moses erected the tabernacle by setting down its bases, inserting the frames, attaching the crossbars, and setting up the posts. Then he spread the coverings over the tabernacle framework and put on the protective layers just as the Lord had commanded him. Moses is following God. Moses was an intelligent man and he did right. And God used his education and his skills and his learning and his wisdom as a person, as a human being. But God is directing the whole thing. God is directing Moses. God is directing us. God is walking with us. God is living in us. God is giving us thoughts. Call unto me, says God in Jeremiah 33, and I will show you great and mighty things which you know not. I think God wants us to consult him. God wants us to talk to him. God wants us to tell to, to pour out our hearts. Sometimes you just pour out your heart to somebody that you can trust. You feel a whole lot better because you know they care. You know they listened. And you just want their presence. You don't even want them to do anything. Well, most guys want to do something. I think most women just want to talk. Just to say, hey, just listen to me. Next, Moses placed the, ta the, ta 
the table in the tabernacle along the north side of the holy place, just outside the inner curtain. And he arranged the bread of the presence on the table before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded him. He set the lampstand in the tabernacle across from the table on the south side of the holy place. Then he lit the lamps in the Lord's presence, just as the Lord had commanded him. He also placed the gold incense altar in the tabernacle in the holy place in front of the inner curtain. So that was in the holy place. On it he burned the fragrant incense just as the Lord had commanded him. He hung the curtain at the entrance of the tabernacle and placed the altar of burnt offering near the tabernacle entrance. On it he offered a burnt offering and a grain offering just as the Lord had commanded him. Next Moses placed the wash basin between the tabernacle and the altar. He filled it with water so the priests could wash themselves. Moses and Aaron and Aaron's sons used water from it to wash their hands and feet. Interesting that Jesus washed the feet, uh, the Last Supper, and, and that's you know the foot washing. I mean, I don't think, I don't think the church, the Baptist church, doesn't do foot washing. Um, the church that I came from did do foot washing. I did. I do remember a lot of people made comments like, "Oh, when we have foot washing, I'm not going to be in church." Um, but the Baptist church does have the communion, right? So I think most churches do not practice foot washing, but the church I came from did, and a lot of people did not want to do that. They did not wash want to wash the feet of somebody else. They considered to be beneath their dignity. It's not something they really wanted to do. I do remember um, they also had foot washing for couples. So you could wash your wife's feet and she could wash your feet. So I do remember we did that. I don't think the Baptist church would really want to do that. And if some other churches somewhere in the world do that, I really have no idea. I'm just remembering my past and contrasting it with my present. Whenever they approached the altar and entered the tabernacle, they washed themselves just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Then he hung the curtains forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard, so at last Moses finished the work. I just want to say something about the foot washing thing. I think to wash somebody's feet, maybe your spouse's, I don't know, it would be embarrassing. It would be like, oh, it's like not dignified. You like feel like a slave, you're washing somebody's stinky feet. But Jesus did this. And I'm not telling people uh, whether they're married or not, they have to do it. I'm not telling you this. But if people did do this, if you wash somebody's feet, like if, you, if wives wash their husband's feet and husbands wash their wives' feet. Um, and again, I'm not a pastor, so I'm not giving anybody advice because I don't think it would go well anyways. Uh, Maybe there would be more respect for your spouse. Maybe there would be less divorces. Because you would realize that you're washing the feet of another human being who's broken and can't give you everything you've ever wanted. Because I think when people put their expectations on another human being, you'll always be disappointed. The only way for marriage to work, and again, I'm giving advice and unsolicited advice destroys relationships, but who cares really? I'm not, you know, I'm not really trying to win a point here, but maybe we got to realize that you only ever get your total inner commitment feeling from God. And if God gives you love and peace in your heart, then you have something to spare for another broken person. Marriages without God in the middle can't work. People are like porcupines. They want to get together, but it hurts.
in this day and age when everybody's so independent and has all their own agenda, it can't work. Because you can't put two things together long term which think so radically different and are such polar opposites. I don't know how it works. It didn't work for me, he said sadly. Maybe there are people out there, Christian people or even non-believers, who marriage is working for. I salute you because you're a better man than I am. So at last Moses finished the work. It says, actually, then he hung the curtains forming the courtyard around the tabernacle and the altar, and he set up the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard. So at last Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. I guess God has to fill us. God is the one, God's filling of us makes us holy, makes us consecrated, makes us sanctified. God is filling our hearts and our minds. And if he fills your heart and your mind, then maybe your actions will include taking care of your body, but your body's broken. This body's getting peeled away um, when Jesus comes back and you're getting a new body that never breaks down, never dies, never ages, never corrupts. The corruptible shall put on incorruption and the mortal shall put on immortality. And your tabernacle, your tent, that God lives in will be perfect and it will never break down. But for now, God is sanctifying and cleansing and transforming our minds because we can't do it ourselves. Moses could no longer enter the tabernacle because the cloud had settled down over it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Maybe this is a way, God's metaphorical way of saying, a man could not, cannot enter the tabernacle when God's spirit is there. And when God's spirit fills you, Satan, who is a creature, cannot enter the tabernacle. Satan cannot enter your heart if Jesus is living there. And if Jesus is living in your heart, he won't share the throne with Satan or even you. There can be only one boss of you, and that's you or Jesus, but not both. Now, whenever the cloud lifted from the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out on their journey, following it. But if the cloud did not rise, they remained where they were until it lifted. The cloud of the Lord hovered over the tabernacle during the day, and at night fire glowed inside the cloud so that the whole family of Israel could see it. This continued throughout all their journeys. Maybe if God is living in you and he's directing you, you'll, do, you'll go where God directs. And when we pray to God, sometimes it's yes, no, and maybe. And God will show us what yes, no, and maybe looks like. God bless you all. Yes, and amen.